When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. It's possible we could have, if there's going to be bad weather, Judd, another travel snafu, another night in uh, Chicago, maybe. Yeah. Maybe some Ruby Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. Four nights in a row of it, maybe. Fun. Matthew Collar's in for Judd today, by the way. So I miss football, Ruby Tuesdays, Ruby Tuesdays conversation, all in play. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? DeRozan looks, 10.7 to go, into Embiid, Embiid holding, gives it to Curry, Curry about 30 feet away, Curry with four seconds to the right, defended, Curry doubled, Curry harassed, gets rid of it to DeRozan, the shot clock goes off, and defense wins the All-Star game. Uh, So, uh, ordinarily, I don't watch All-Star games, I mean, I'll watch the NBA one sometimes, Matthew Collar, but... uh, Last night, there wasn't a whole lot else going on, Olympics was kind of slow on a Sunday... And, um, and and so I watched almost the entire All-Star game. And Carl Anthony Towns double-double after only 13 minutes. I mean, he was grabbing all the rebounds and hit a couple three-pointers. And I kept waiting for Jimmy Butler. Like, am I, did I, because, you know, you're flipping around going through Twitter. Like, maybe I missed the four minutes that Jimmy Butler was out there in the second quarter. And then, oh, he might have played in the third quarter. And I was, like, like going to the bathroom. Was, like, eating dinner. A DNP for Jimmy Butler. And here's a quiz for you to start off the show. Okay. okay? Uh, you get to choose one of these three options. What do you think is the truth for why Jimmy Butler did not play in the All-Star game? The reason that he gave is, A, rest. Mm-hmm. That, hey, Tom Thibodeau, he expects a lot from us. And, uh, I mean, Jimmy Butler leads the NBA in minutes per game. And as he said, I'm all in on this Timberwolves season. It's a, it's a big push for us. Tough schedule after the break. And so I just wanted a day of rest. So that's A. Uh, B would be Dave's theory, which I love before the show. Screw this. I ain't playing in a game that requires no defense until the last 30 seconds. He doesn't really have a glamorous all-star game, per se. He shoots a lot of long twos and plays defense, right? Or C, this report from Bleacher Report's Meredith Minkow on Twitter that he was too hungover still at 7 o'clock the next, well, 5 o'clock, I guess, Los Angeles time, the next night that he requested to not play because he had a headache from the night before. I would guess a combination of number one and number three. Yep. <laughs> I don't know, Dave, if Jimmy is so defense-obsessed <laughs> that he would say, no, uh-uh. man, if we ain't playing D, then I, I like ain't playing. The fear. I don't care. I like it anyway. Because wasn't last year's game the 195? It was like both teams was, almost yeah, scored 200 points, and Jimmy Butler, that's the last reference point that he would have going into this game, to which he would say, listen, if I can't pick some pockets and block some shots without you guys yelling at me, then I'm out. I'm just going to This was the defensive all-star game, though, or at least that's the way they painted it. I was in and out of it. You still got 300 combined points. Uh, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I I mean... (laughs) 
for long stretches, there wasn't a whole lot of defense, and I would have preferred a few more uh, slamajamas, right? I mean, like there was there weren't as many just you know crazy insane dunks during the run of play as there was last year, which I think is the great part when they look like, oh, we're not playing defense, just do the most insane thing you possibly can. And I, I love that part. Yeah, um, the entire first half was just chucking threes, right? Yeah. That's the, all it was. It, yes. I think at halftime, one of the teams was 13 for 46 for three. Like, that's not even good. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you guys doing? I think my, Dunk it. my first realization, this, this was probably like 2003 or five. It was probably like 15 years ago. My first realization that the All-Star game has jumped the shark and you can probably just disregard it was when Tracy McGrady, in the middle of a game, Tracy McGrady goes down the lane, the seas part, and he throws a pass to himself off the backboard (laughs) and dunks it. And you're like, that was really cool, but... Okay, like nobody was going to, like Dikembe you Mutombo. Do that in the regular season. Where's that been? I think he did that once in the regular season <laughs> as well because he's Tracy McGrady. Uh, but th- last night was a little more enjoyable in that it wasn't just a complete free-for-all. Teams did, in fact, there was a point late in the game where officials made a bad call on an out-of-bounds playoff that went off Joel, M- uh, Joel Embiid's leg. Mm-hmm. And they reviewed it, and it was still very obvious that the ball went off Embiid's leg and they blew the call. And LeBron almost got teed up in an All-Star game. I'm glad I missed a review in an All-Star game. Yeah, because I, I wasn't watching at that point, and I would have maybe broken my television. They did the same thing in the NHL All-Star game where they reviewed an offsides. Like, no! <laughs> no! Give me one night of freedom from this soul-sucking <laughs> Replay. Please. Did we, did we get catch rule in the Pro Bowl? Uh, no, but I don't know because I've never actually watched the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah, I'm with I, you. I, I, I'm assuming we're going to. That's, you know what? We all think that the catch rule in the Super Bowl is what's going to change the catch rule. The catch rule in, in a Pro Bowl where we get a 10 minute review <laughs> and there's still like 8 million people watching. We can't have this. No, we can't. So I, I thought the whole weekend was fun, though. I mean, wh- whatever reason Jimmy Butler didn't play, you do you, Jimmy. That's totally fine. And he's going to need to play a lot of minutes down the stretch. You could bet on that. Yes. Um, but the whole weekend in the NBA was made really fun. The three point contest, the dunk contest, the skills competition. I watch that much closer because the dunk contest is always fun. Somebody comes up with something great. Larry Nance Jr. I thought I like the, like the magic, so uh, like the the wardrobe change into his dad's old ball squeezer son's uniform from yeah. 1984. Uh-huh. That was pretty cool. And the guy doing the Vince Carter throwback dunk. I mean, I, every time I have fun with that, the best ever was the Aaron Gordon and Zach Levine one. But uh, I mean, almost every year there's great dunks that they can come up with. So I like to watch that. It's just sort of a, a fun night, and they make it into the entertainment and all those things, too. Legends come out. I like that much more than the actual basketball game. Not because I'm play defense guy, but just because I, I usually just get bored with it after one yeah. quarter. The only thing, though, to what you just said like 30 seconds ago, the only thing that's a buzzkill about the dunk contest Every other year, it's always, yeah, that one guy who won the dunk contest. Like, who is the one guy that right. did the thing that I've never heard of? Like, Gerald Green was that one guy one time. Who was the guy that blew the candle out again on the back? That was a really cool dunk from a guy that no one's ever heard of. Yeah. Well, Zach Levine at one time was that guy. Who's this guy that just won the dunk contest two years in a row? It was two years in a row, right? Or every other year? I think it was back-to-back years. Yeah, back-to-back years. Yeah. Like, at that time, I didn't really know who the guy was. Like, is that the guy off the bench from UCLA? Who is this guy? Yes, it is. Yeah. And now he's a, a star player. Ding, ding. The Minnesota Twins made the kind of trade you make when you are in a go-for-it mode. Nice going, Twins. Nice work. Nice week. 
Jake Odorizzi makes them better, puts them in the American League postseason mix in 2018, and that's all that matters. But I'm happy to be uh, to be a Minnesota Twin. I mean, it's a great time to be, you know, a Twin, and the dynamic of this team is is so fascinating, intriguing, and exciting. You got a good group of veteran guys, a revamped bullpen a lot of young dynamic players to go on top of that so it's it's a really exciting time i think uh, uh, hopefully it's possible to have some nuance uh, on this trade i think two things matthew collar number one i don't think they have enough even after this trade to be in the same conversation as the houston astros or the yankees who have maybe the two best power hitters in baseball and a bullpen and all these things uh i mean cleveland in your own division is more loaded so just adding jake odorizzi is not enough if you want to get to the end of the season and have a real shot in a seven-game series. Um, but this is a heist. This is a really good pitcher. He's a good, solid, number three caliber starting pitcher who misses some bats. He's under team control for two years, $6 million this year. So you're not you're not paying 15 or $20 million in market value, which you would. So it's not enough yet, but it gets you to the season, and he's instantly an upgrade over most of the guys that you have competing after Jose Barrios and Irvin Santana. So I give the Twins an A for cashing in on the Tampa Bay Rays, most likely going back in the tank for a decade here, trying to strip payroll and load up on prospects. Oh, and by the way, they only had to give up their fourth best shortstop prospect who might not stick at shortstop, just a nondescript infield prospect who doesn't crack the top 20 on most credible publications lists. That's where I'm sort of confused with the this is a win now move. Like, well, I mean, isn't this just like why wouldn't you do this move for a reasonably good starting pitcher for almost nothing? Odorizzi has to be so thrilled to be not pitching in that trash can anymore. Oh, my gosh. I get to be outdoors. (laughs) Feel air. And it's going to suck for like the first three weeks. And if you make it, then the last several weeks of the season. Uh, but, you know, he. this is another thing to keep in mind. I know people are going to look at his ERA over four last year. Career ERA under four over the last five-ish seasons in unquestionably the best offensive division in baseball. We're talking loaded Yankees lineups with short porches and left and right field. Those Toronto lineups the last five years. So Jake Odorizzi has pitched in the Jose Batista, mm-hmm. Josh Donaldson, Edwin Encarnacion era American League East. Red Sox lineups up and down. The Orioles have had Chris Davis and Adam Jones. And like every night you're pitching in the American League East, you run the risk of giving up five home runs to lineups. So those, those are all home run stadiums, too. Yes. And, and, Toronto, he, and he held his own. Out of. Yes. Um, so I'm reading an article from Fangraphs about Odorizzi's uh, high fastball and how last year it was an unusually high rate him of home runs on high fastballs which might have been for everyone last year it seemed like every pop fly was leaving the park but it even looked in depth at the average height of his fastball and it was up in the zone more often which is something that he might be able to adjust or why he was better in previous years than he could be this year yes so the argument is so to go a little bit deeper into that teams are fixated it's almost like uh, if you've ever been to a second swing or if you've been to one of those golf evaluation centers like a golf tech or a second swing and they've got the track man data that helps you analyze okay why are you hooking the ball why are you spinning the ball why are you not getting as much distance on your clubs and you make all these tweaks well hitters and pitchers have this data for if you're throwing fastballs or breaking balls or if you're a hitter looking to get more power out of your swing and it's kind of an arms race it's hitters looking to elevate more but pitchers also if you have a high spin rate fastball 
you're more likely to get swings and misses up in the zone mm-hmm. because hitters are going to swing underneath it more. The ball doesn't gravity doesn't take the ball downward as quickly. So with Jake Odorizzi, he had some success early in his career. And the Tampa Bay Rays are what, and so the Twins. Here's an inside story too. The Twins took the Rays' top pitching analytics guru and hired him about two months ago. And so uh, Josh Kalk is his name. So four or five years ago when Jake Odorizzi comes up, they're telling him, hey, you have a high spin rate fastball. So instead of all of these pitching gurus and what they're telling you to do, pitch down in the zone, work around the knees, if you work up in the zone, you're going to have success. And he did for like four years until giving up 30 bombs in 100, was it 40 innings last year? So it's almost like hitters have caught up to what pitchers are trying to do. Mm -hmm. And the Twins look at him, and we'll get to Anibal Sanchez at some point, too. And they say, all right, not only do we like you, Jake Odorizzi, we think we can make you better than you were last year with the Tampa Bay Rays and sort of adjust to the adjustment that hitters are making. Yeah, That's deep in the weeds, but that's what's happening. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this article is making that argument that if he goes back to working the ball lower again, that he'll probably have more success. And uh, so, I mean, you would expect that he's going to be a pretty good pitcher. He's never going to be the superstar ace. But if he comes in and has an ERA of three and a half, he's probably going to be pretty good. Yes. It's just with, with a move like this, when Jeff Passan tweeted the other night that there was a trade between the Twins and Rays, you're like, oh, Chris Archer is going to be a Twins. This is going to be so great. And then when it was Odorizzi, you're like, okay, that's that, all right. Bit of a buzzkill. That's all right. Yeah, I think, uh, who posed this? Uh, uh, Wetmore and I were kicking around some Touch em All podcast subjects yesterday just via email. And we're gonna We're going to put one out today. And he said, and in fact, let's let's answer this when you when we come back here. Would you would you have been better off as a fan just not knowing about their U Darvish pursuit to begin with? Because mm. because you wind up with this consolation prize for now, and I, I think they're probably done making moves before the season starts. Maybe they still sign a Lance Lynn or somebody, but this seems to be the big move that they're going to make, and it is. I mean, he's one of your top two or three starting pitchers. He's a good pitcher, Jake Odorizzi. But it feels like a consolation prize because you knew that they offered nine figures to you, Darvis. So we can dive into some of that. You know, how much does this close the gap between the Twins and some of the top-level teams? And because Matthew Collar's in here, we're going to speculate on Vikings. We're going to get more into uh, what their potential free agent plan should be in less than a, a month. We're only about 25 days away from free agent signing in the NFL. So we'll dive into that. We'll get Collar's thoughts on uh, the Minnesota Wild. It's Mackie and Judd. Collar in for Judd. 651-646-8255. The phone line. Mackie and Judd now continue. Here comes the life of the party. On 1500. Corrupting the minds and the hearts of our children. ESPN. The Minnesota Twins made the kind of trade you make when you are in a go-for-it mode. Nice going Twins. Nice work. Nice week. Jake Odorizzi makes them better, puts them in the American League postseason mix in 2018, and that's all that matters. Well, that was Richard Justice, right? Dave Harrigan, longtime baseball writer. So I disagree with what he said, Collar. I don't think this is a go-for-it, all-in move. I mean, you hit it in the first segment. A go-for-it, all-in move would have been, screw it, sixth year on you, Darvish, will guarantee more than the Cubs which also would have been dicey because now you're guaranteeing a bunch of money in, in the age 37 year of a of a pitcher who's been a little bit shaky the last couple of years in some big spots. A go-for-it all-in move would have been caution to the wind, Chris Archer at all at, at any cost. Jake, and this is Hugh chiming in, loyal listener Hugh on Twitter, consolation prize, when they claim to go all-in on you, Darvish, and don't get him, 
And then tell us they're trying to trade for Chris Archer, knowing there are other decent free agent pitchers still out there. Odorizzi feels like a participation award. A couple things. I understand, and I agree, if you thought the Twins were going to get you Darvish, or you thought the Twins were going to trade for Chris Archer, which they still could, by the way. Chris Archer is under team control for four more years. That conversation is not going to go away. Jake Odorizzi is not as good as you Darvish at his best, or Chris Archer at his best. So I agree, there's definitely a drop-off. But... Jake Odorizzi is instantly one of your three best starting pitchers. He held his own in the toughest offensive league in the American League or in baseball the last five years with an ERA under four. And because he only makes $6 million, he doesn't prevent you from signing a Lance Lynn tomorrow if you want to. Or what I think they're going to do is trade two or three young assets at the trade deadline for a Cole Hamels or a Chris Archer. I think now they probably wait two months into June or July and make their next move then. If they don't do that, unless the Orioles, or I'm sorry, the Astros or the Yankees or you know the, the, the Cleveland Indians, if there's a catastrophic injury or something that takes out Corey Kluber, um, your roster doesn't stack up until you add one more starting pitcher. So I see why it's a buzzkill if you're a Twins fan, but don't minimize the fact that Jake Odorizzi is a very good starting pitcher and an upgrade. Yeah, I don't think that people were too upset or should be too upset about not getting you Darvish. Because the price tag is pretty high. He's on the other side. What is he, 31? 31, yeah. All right, so you're in like high risk, red, high risk, pulsating, be afraid territory yeah. of three years into this, it could be a complete nightmare. Odorizzi's 27. Yeah, so, and you gave up nothing to get him. The Archer thing is where when there were the, there was the report what was it Lavelle had that in the paper, the report that came out that, um, you know, they were going to chase Chris Archer. Then it's like, oh, boy, wow, this is a, I mean, that's an ace. That's a real top end starter. So now you're picturing if you're going to compete with Cleveland for this division, this is the type of guy you've got to have. You got to have him and then hope uh, Barrios takes the next step. Santana comes back from his injury and then, all right, we're rolling. So when you get Odorizzi, it's like, yeah, okay. All right. I mean, he's a he's another guy. He's pretty solid. He might be better than he was last year if they fix some of the issues there. Yeah. But he doesn't get you that excitement that maybe we were looking for for the Twins for this season to take that next step because there was some smoke and mirrors to last year. Like I think you've got to be better this year if you're going to win the same number of games, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, I agree. It, it seemed like a lot of things fell into place for them to get to even 85 wins, including other teams being really bad for you to get into the playoffs. I think you'll probably have to be better than you were last year to get into the playoffs this time around. So you want to see that big upgrade or that big splash move that tells you the Twins are all in. And this doesn't really feel that way, even though I think it's a great move where you gave up basically nothing. Right. So they 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 improved their bullpen by adding three key pieces. I think Addison Reed is I mean, Addison Reed is one of the top probably five to ten relievers in your division easily. I mean, he he's a he's a very good durable reliever the last few years. And would and you the, say he was a good add to the bullpen? Wow. I wow. I read that situation like he's gonna be a good add. Wow. Wow. I'll let that one sit there for a second. Go on. Yeah. Whatever you're saying. It's uh, Matthew Collar, everybody. Yeah, you can uh, you can block him on Twitter at Matthew Collar. Three hours and 40 if, minutes to go. I can't yeah, wait till Odorizzi has his first bad start. Wow. Oh, the odor Odorous. on that one is not wow. good. That's, uh, that start stinks. Boy, that is that's something right there. <laughs>
I am available to fill in all off season for football whenever you need me. Here. Yeah, <laughs> you can show yourself out now. I was thinking this though when they when they even after trading for Odorizzi, when you compare to the rest of the teams in the American League, if they don't add somebody else either right now or before the trade deadline. I'll give them three months, or well, whatever the math is now, like five, four or five months until the trade deadline. I'll give them that stretch to add somebody if you think that this keeps you in the playoff hunt until then. If you don't add somebody else, you're saying one of two things if you're the Twins front office. A, we're just not ready to contend on the level that you all think we are. Like You may, you may be excited because this team won 85 games and took advantage of a weak division and took advantage of a weak American League, but we still think this team is 2019 or 20. Sucks to hear, but we're just being honest. Or they're saying our style of developing pitching is systematically better than most of the other 29 teams in the league to the point where we think we can take Kyle Gibson at age 30, Adalberto Mejia, Anibal Sanchez, who they just picked up off of the used car lot, and turn those guys into playoff caliber rotation pitchers. Which is, you know, it, it wouldn't shock me at all if this was one of the better systematically uh, great organizations at developing guys because they took one of the gurus from the Rays. Derek Falvey was a guru from the Indians. Thad Levine was a guru from the Rangers. And they're putting together this this sort of mind meld of, of, of pitching credibility. But to say that over the, the other 29 teams is a little aggressive. Like that's... The Anibal Sanchez signing to me didn't reek of, oh, we'll just take a flyer on a guy. Paul Molitor said this, quote, on Saturday at Hammond Stadium. Some of our guys that did some studies on the pitches that are out there, they say his analytics and some of the factors they feel are significant were a lot better than his results. Obviously, the long ball bit him a lot. Some of it had to do with our people think pitch usage and some other things. They really liked a lot of the weapons that Anibal Sanchez still has. They think he got away with doing things that would give him a better chance to be successful. Anibal Sanchez has been one of the most hittable pitchers in baseball for three years. He's 34 Oof. years old. And so now it's if they cut him before the season starts, it's $500,000 and whatever. Uh, the most they'll pay him, I think, is $5 million. But but that's a bold proclamation to say Kyle Gibson, Adalberto Mejia, Anibal Sanchez, like these guys that are either number five starters or even just scrap heap pitchers like Sanchez at this point, we see some things and we think we can we can take this collection and maybe maybe develop a playoff rotation caliber guy out of it. That's pretty bold, Matthew. There has to be something there with Sanchez because he went from giving up nine home runs, four home runs in 21 starts to 29, 30, and 26 the last three years. Like what? the heck happened over those last couple of years, except for just getting older, but it's not, he's not decrepit. I mean, he's 34 now and he was 33 last year. So it's, it's not like he just completely would have fallen off the map because he's super old. That's like mid late prime for baseball pitchers where they yeah. can go into their early thirties and still be really effective. So maybe it's possible that there's something there. I don't understand the people who whined about it. Like I, I always like to look at our mentions of the 1500 account and always appreciate the tweets, but sometimes it's just crazy. It's, it's not even angry. It's just whiny. It's, Oh, this guy, I don't know. He's not any good. I don't think this is stupid. What are the twins even thinking? Like, if it's no investment, and this is a team that got something out of Bartolo Colon last year. 
So you don't think that they could maybe find another guy that you could squeeze a, a half a good season out of well, here's, best case and here, give up nothing? Right. Here, so here's what that is. I think fans are, and I'll, and I'll defend fans a little on this because I think fans are so sick of the Terry Ryan, Bill Smith regime setting this 15-year example of their free agent approach, which ah, is the Ricky Nolasco, Sydney and in Ricky Nolasco at the time of that signing was in his prime and coming off a really good season. So that was actually like at the time of that signing, it was, Oh, this is maybe the third best starting pitcher in a weak market, but Sydney Ponson, Ramon Ortiz, Bartolo Colon last year, but they've done that five other times with, with scrap heap starting pitchers or even position players, Joe Creedy. So, so fans have seen this time and time again, where instead of going after a a top caliber big money free agent or pulling the trigger on a Cliff Lee at the trade deadline, they go with the Matt Caps instead, or they go to Ramon Ortiz to start what was supposed to be a playoff season in 2007. Um, so I understand it, but where there's I think where maybe fans and media have done a bad job just looking at the reality and being objective for the entire lifetime of your Twins fandom. Because there's no salary cap, this is the misperception. Well, there's no salary cap, so like you can spend as much money as you want. Well, even though they're billionaires, the 30 owners in baseball still want to turn a profit, for the most part, on the entity that they own. And so they're working within the parameters of the revenue that they bring in. And I say this, I mean, this is a, a theme on our show for four years. So the Twins, because there's no salary cap, aren't going to go toe-to-toe with the Yankees or the Dodgers in terms of payroll or big free agents. So they have to find more creative ways to build rosters. And that's why I like this Odorizzi trade. And it's why I'm not going to rip them too much for an Animal Sanchez. If you can, you know what, if you can squeeze one final good season out of a guy who was in the Cy Young Award mix four years ago for like a couple million dollars, awesome. But you have to find the Jake Odorizzi's to be your number three starters for you know giving up nothing, by the way. Jermaine Palacios is not a highly touted prospect. If you find a number three starter giving up almost nothing who makes $6 million, those are the edges you need when you're not one of the top six or seven markets in baseball. Can I add that the take a flyer pitcher is my favorite thing, one of my favorite things in all of sports. So I pulled up Sidney Ponson. Sidney Ponson had a couple of good years early in his career. And from 2004 to 2009 was when it was very clear that he was not good at baseball, but people kept giving him jobs. He played for Boston, St. Louis, the Yankees, the Twins, Rangers, and the Royals. Just in a five-year period, he went 33-48 and 48 with a 5.82 <laughs> ERA. Yeah, dude, it's bad. <laughs> it's just so great. There's two other People ones, too. giving Go, him jobs. During this break, and we're going we're gonna to learn more about Jake Odorizzi when we come back here from uh, Mark Topkin. Tampa He's listed at 220. Sidney Ponson was not 220. During the break, go look up Levon Hernandez, Twins, Oh yeah, and Jason oh, Marquis. Jason Marquis. Go look at Jason Marquis' game log with the Twins from, like, 2012. And you're welcome for the three minutes of laughs you're going to get during the break. Let's learn more about the Twins' newest starting pitcher, and we'll dive more into uh, other subjects, including what the Vikings should do in free agency in about 20 or 30 minutes. Matthew Collar in for Judd. It's Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studio. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. My three words for this baffling, embarrassing, and infuriating. Yeah. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. But I'm happy the, uh, to be a Minnesota Twin. I mean, it's a great time to be, you know, a twin, and the dynamic of this team is, is so fascinating, intriguing, and exciting. you got a good group of veteran guys, a revamped bullpen. 
a lot of young, dynamic players to go on top of that. So it's it's a really exciting time. I hereby challenge Matthew Collar. That was Jake Odorizzi. They also signed Annabelle Sanchez over the weekend. I hereby challenge you to an obscure Twins scrap heap pickup name off. I'm introducing Collar to various Twins scrap heap pitchers and position players from like the mid-90s going forward. This doesn't seem very fair. He's not been a Twins follower for as long as you have. No, no but, but he's I, all in. He's got a Twins hat on today. Yeah, no, I mean, I follow close enough to have a few of these names, but there are some that he's thrown out there that I had no idea. So uh, the ones that are, I think, the some of these position players, Brett Boone spent a month in a Twins uniform in and 2005. That I did not know. That's several years after he hit 35 or 40 home runs. Uh, Phil Nevin joined the Twins in 2006, and if I, I that was my first ever like being in a clubhouse for a champagne celebration thing with as young radio intern guy microphone and Phil Nevin who did nothing at all. They traded for him before the deadline, and he was in there with like a Miller Lite sleeveless shirt <laughs> and barbed wire tattoos, just pounding beer with everybody else. Uh, Bob Tewksbury. Phil Nevin was taken ahead of Derek Jeter in the draft, right? This is the official music for a name off <laughs> if we're actually going to do oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> How about this one? 2006. Tony Batista. Oh! Do you remember Tony Batista? The wide open stance? Couldn't forget. Hit 40 home runs oh, yeah. with the Blue Jays one time. Arizona Diamondbacks? They went into the 06 season. With Tony Batista starting at third base and Juan Castro starting at shortstop, ditched those guys after a month and went on to win like 96 games with Nick Punto at third and Jason Bartlett at shortstop. Crazy, it, was, it was amazing. Crazy one where a guy actually pitched well was Mike Morgan. He was like 38 years old yeah. and had a three and a half ERA. Yeah. Pretty uh, good. Terry Mulholland was another one from... I think like 2005 or 2000, one of those divisions, like 04 or something. Yeah. And he was just the mop-up guy. But he was older than, I think he was older than like some of the front office people. He was in his mid-40s when he was with the Twins. And they had to throw him for a couple spot starts there, I remember, too. Oh, yeah. Injuries, pregame, and out comes Terry Mulholland to throw five <laughs> strong. The list of pitchers, just going back to the 90s, just scrap heap, take a flyer on a guy who's old or hasn't been successful in a few years. So add Annabelle Sanchez to the list. Jason Marquis, Levon Hernandez, Sidney Ponson, Ramon Ortiz, Bob Tewksbury. Some of these actually did work out. Like Rick Reed and Kenny Rogers weren't disasters. And Kenny Rogers was one of their best pitchers on a playoff team in 2003. Mulholland, uh, Mike Morgan, Matthew brought up. And then on the position player side, don't forget about Ruben Sierra. <laughs> In 04, I want to say. Just bombs away. Um, Who was the guy? Was he in one of the David Ortiz? Oh, um, the third baseman from like 96. Was with Seattle for a while. And he was awesome in the early 90s. He was awesome with the Phillies, if I remember. And the Twins got him in like the late 90s. And I can't for the life of me remember the guy's name. You, know, you say third baseman, all I can think is Joe Creedy. And obviously, no, it was before him. then. It was like um, White Sox. Um, my God. He wore super tight baseball pants, which a lot of the guys in the 90s did. But he was one of those, like, you, you heard the acquisition and you thought, yes, this guy. <laughs> like, this guy was awesome with the Phillies, but it was. 
I don't know. I can't remember the guy's name now. Roberto Kelly. Oh, yeah. That's another one. That's another name. He was, wasn't he an all-star or maybe even like a borderline MVP with the Yankees a few years, like in the early 90s? Roberto Kelly stole a ton of bases, hit for some power. Yeah. Yeah, he was a two-time all-star with uh, the Yankees and Cincinnati Reds. Holland. 319 one year. Dave Hollins. Dave Hollins is is the guy that I'm thinking of. There it is. Otis Nixon is another one. Nixon played here? Otis Nixon. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Lead off, baby. Otis Nixon in, uh, in fact, he was like 40. <laughs> looked like he was 60. This is my childhood, by the way, for the twins. Yeah, he did. He looked very old. He was like Benjamin Button. <laughs> <laughs> like so Otis Nixon at age 39 in 1998 with the twins stole 37 bases and batted 297. Almost 40 years old. I may have found my favorite one. Kevin Moss. Yeah. Kevin Moss of Yankee fame who came into the league and I think there's some sort of SI cover or something that says like the next great Yankee home run hitter because in 1991 he hit 23 bombs and so everyone thought he was going to be really good and then just out of the league and showed up (laughs) years later with the twins and hit 193 (laughs) in 1995. How about this one? That's tremendous. Do you remember, I'll I'll back my way into this guy's name here, but in 1997, let's see if Matthew Collar can get this one. Obscure Twins position player. In 1997 with the Mets, this player hit 24 home runs. He was an outfielder, mostly an outfielder. 24 home runs, 81 RBIs, batted 287, slugged over 500 Mm. in 500 plate appearances. Uh, was, Was up and coming, 25 years old. His last ever season was the Twins in 2000 at age 28, and then he was out of the league. Butch Husky. Oh, yeah, Butch Husky. I had lots of Butch Husky baseball cards <laughs> when I was growing up, yeah. Why? Where is Butch Husky? That's what I want. Not <laughs> playing in the majors. <laughs> Still implanted in the left field <laughs> wall at the Metrodome. Yeah, no, they, I mean, for as much as the Vikings are talked about as being like the transitional quarterback team or the, the Warren Moon for two years, Brett Favre for a year, Either scrap heap quarterback or legendary guy who's on his last legs, Randall Cunningham. The Twins are just as sneaky in the like try to squeeze another year out of a player, but they fail at it. The, oh, the Jason Marquis, by the way, the eight point four seven ERA is tremendous. Do you have his game log? Uh, no, but I just saw that. I was I'm trying to find out where Butch Husky is these days. There was a game. I think Jason Marquis' last game with the Twins was in Milwaukee, and he couldn't get out. I think he got one out in the first inning and gave up like nine or ten runs. And I believe he just walked into the dugout, grabbed his luggage, up the steps, and just went straight to the airport. Like, I think he knew. Terry Ryan actually made the pitching change. Walked out, signaling for a lefty. Uh, yeah, the, but the but the Twins from the mid-90s all the way through and, and Anibal Sanchez in the, in the mix, too. They've only hit on like maybe one or two of these guys. Joe Crady for a half season hit 15 home runs was pretty good. Like they keep going back to the well and they always get their hand slapped when they reach in. And the Vikings, I would say a pretty good percentage of the time, find the guy who can lead you to the playoffs. Warren Moon, yeah. Nine and seven, ten and six playoffs. Brett Favre, 12 and four, NFC championship game, playoffs. So are you saying that Anibal Sanchez is not going to work out? Uh, I don't think he's going to work out. But I'm with you. I don't th- the outrage over it, the outrage is because of this list. So people hear Anibal Sanchez and they see how bad he's been for the last three years and they think 
Jason Marquis, Levon Hernandez, Sidney Ponson, Brett Boone, Phil Nevin. Mm-hmm. And that's most likely the list that he's going to wind up with. Like, he's going to be on that list yeah. nine times out of ten. But if you're only paying him $500,000 guaranteed to find out if he can... If you are hitching your playoff hopes to him, which is what they've done sometimes where they'll go into a year and, like, Levon Hernandez is their opening day starter on a team with Joe Maurer in his prime and Justin Morneau in his prime and Torrey Hunter and you're... Literally hanging your entire rotation on a 40-year-old guy who hasn't pitched successfully in almost a decade. Uh, That's not what Anibal Sanchez is. Butch Husky, after he left Minnesota, went to Colorado and hit 348 over 45 games and never played in the big leagues again. And that was it. Yeah, and I can't find any other information on where he lives now, what he does. But he played in AAA the next year in Colorado Springs. And hit 323 with a ton of home runs. Where is Butch Husky? How did no one else give Butch Husky another job? There must be a conspiracy. Phil, do you remember the day he ran into the wall at the the Metrodome? Butch Husky? Yes. No. It was a day they were wearing like the what were supposed to be the futuristic uniforms. Oh you know, my these God. wacky Ooh. uniforms. And he's chasing a long fly ball, and you've never seen anybody run into the wall harder. Look it up during the break, because I remember it, because the next day, the rest of the team had a little fun with him. Oh, they, they drew the outline. They taped up the, uh, you know, the body <laughs> outline of a dead body on the wall. It's You can find it on YouTube. It's absolutely hysterical just watching him and then the reaction the next day. Those futuristic uniforms, wow. That was <laughs> yeah. a terrible experiment. I like how they thought that in 2018 that that's the uniform the teams were going to be wearing. Mm-hmm. Weird sleeveless, like the number... Sort of cockeyed, the name going down the side. We're all going to be holograms. Yes. Which we might actually be in five or ten years. It's not if Prince has anything to say about it. It's true. Mackie and Judd are back. Right here now. It's all right here. On 1500 ESPN. The brand new 1500 ESPN app is here. Stream live shows, download podcasts. Read the latest Sportswire articles and more all in one place. And if you still need a reason to download it besides all of that, we're spending the next month giving away a $50 Red Cow Red Rabbit gift card every day and a 55-inch TCL Roku TV every week. But you have to have the app to enter. Download the new 1500 ESPN app in the Apple App Store and Google Play Store now. Yeah, Twitter, Twitter's on fire helping us with the obscure twins list. By the way, we may have found a Butch Husky Twitter account. There are two possibilities. There's Butch Husky 4242 and B Husky 042. So I'm on the Butch Husky 4242 account. And there, there's there's about eight or nine tweets, none since April 1st of 2014. But the tweets that he does have, and there's only 14 followers, which, by the way, I know it's been dormant for four years. Butch Husky needs more than 14 followers on Twitter. Sure does. Let's give the guy some help here. Let's get him tweeting again. Butch Husky 4242. Um, well, there's the- It's all like baseball-related tweets, though. Best time of year, April 1st, 2014. Right. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, yeah. he's referring to opening day, right? But B Husky 042 could also be him because it has 82 followers. It's tweeted more recently, and it has back-to-back tweets saying, back on the grind. That seems like something that... When was he back on the grind? He was back on the grind in 2014 on February 10th, maybe working on a comeback. Is he working with Rafael Palmero? And then he was also back on the tweet grind in December of 2015, 
So maybe Butch Husky returned, or maybe neither of these people are Butch Husky. So he only tweets when he's back on the tweet grind. Yeah. Yeah. Same. So he gets off the grind, then says, hey, I'm back. I'm back on the grind, and then goes away, and then comes back like a year later and says, no, I'm I'm back again. There are a shocking number of tweets that include <laughs> Butch Husky, by the way. I mean, you could scroll through for a really long time, and you'll find old baseball cards that people have tweeted. Anytime someone on Twitter asks, hey, who's your random old baseball player? It'll be Butch Husky. And if there is a video also, like there's the video where he slams into the wall that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. A bunch of people have tweeted that at one time or another. It was So he wasn't playing for the Twins in that game. He was playing for the must have been Mariners. the Reds. Mariners. Yes. I, I was just Griffey watching was it, on, too. Griffey was on the team. Okay. Yeah, because Griffey played in that game. Yes. And uh, and Griffey was one of the guys that outlined him in tape on the left field wall. And it was Jock Jones that hit the ball over the wall, right? Yes. Yeah. That sweet opposite field power of of Jack Jones. So, Dave, you were a Mets fan during your childhood. Uh, I was the Piazza years. Were you? So, was that after? Because Butch Husky was maybe beginning of the Piazza was years. Was Bernard Gilkey there yet? Mm, I don't believe so. Mm. The Gilkey Husky teams are the ones see, I remember for I sure. Mean, see, I'm a Todd Hundley Mets fan. Oh, sure, I remember Hundley, not, but not no, really it was. Fan. It was Edgardo Alfonso, it uh-huh. was Ray Ordonez, it was Benny Agbayani, Hawaiian punch out in left field. Alex Ochoa hitting for the cycle one time. Yeah, as absolutely. A Met, and then going to the Twins, that's another one there. Alex Ochoa, add him to the list of, of washed up players. Was that he went the to guy the with the unbelievable arm? Was that him? Maybe uh, not. Um, Maybe I mean, not. Who am I thinking of? He ha- I mean, he played outfield. I, I don't know enough about Alex Ochoa's <sighs> scouting makeup to, to say so if you're there, correct. There's a... Uh, Random right fielder who has an unbelievable, like all time. Well, Dante Dante Bichette. I was thinking of him. Dante Bichette. I was at a game one time when I was a kid, like, and this is at Wrigley Field, so you're not taking advantage of altitude for an extra 20 feet on your throw. Dante Bichette picked up a ball on the warning track. We were sitting down the right field line. He picked a ball up on the warning track right field at Wrigley and threw a ball. On a line, no hops to third base, and gunned a guy going like first to th- It might have been a guy trying to stretch a triple or something, mm. and gunned him out. From Dante Bichette. New York Times in 1996. Clearly what I was reading to remember <laughs> this. They talk about Alex Ochoa being one of the most exciting young prospects in baseball coming up for the Mets. Oh, yeah. And having one of the best arms in Major League Baseball. There you go. You know why? You. I remember why I remember that. Because on Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest Baseball, <laughs> Alex Ochoa is unbelievable. Like, like you can put him in right field and he will throw out everybody. I think what happens in those video games like in '64, he, he came in the league in the mid '90s, hit for the cycle, and batted like 300 in five minutes of a rookie year. And like, oh, this is the next best player in baseball, New York market, and the video games pick up on it. Here's two more. Uh, on this obscure or scrap heap twins player list, which is now almost a full roster. We have nine pitchers, and when you when you count these next two guys, we now have seven position players with what, Craig what Monroe. Need? Well, they're mostly outfielders or DHs, yeah, but okay. Craig Monroe and Rondell White Rondell from like 2004, yeah. 2006, San Diego seven. Padres uh, all-star Rondell White. Because they have the rule that someone has to be in the All-Star game from every team, and the Padres were absolutely horrendous one year, and he made 
the All-Star game. This was in 2003. Yeah. He hit 278 with a 330 on base percentage. Yeah. And he ended up making the All-Star game because they couldn't get anybody else Dude, on. That's, that's a whole other topic because the Twins... You know, the Twins during the middle of the steroid era, so mid-90s through the early 2000s, when guys like Rondell White or or Greg Vaughn hit 50 home runs mm. in a year one time. Brady Anderson pops up, hits 50 bombs. And the Twins had a year, I think it was 1997 or 96, one of those years in like the mid to late 90s, where Ron Coomer led the team with 17 home runs in the middle of the steroid yeah. era yeah. and was their representative in the All-Star game. But boy, did they play He hit like hard. 270 with 15 bombs, and he was... The the American League, the Twins representative in the All Star game. Um, yeah. Mike Lamb is another one that people are throwing. Oh, that's out. a good one. That was a two year contract for Mike Lamb. The Rondell White stat line. That's my favorite part of all this. When you pull these guys up, it's not just how random their names are, but it's the stats that they put up before they finally pulled the cord on them. Two thousand seven, Rondell White played thirty eight games and hit one seventy four with four dingers. <laughs> <laughs> all of them three rows deep in left field, just a, a hanging curveball of some kind. Man. Yeah, so the- Anibal Sanchez is definitely next. You know, my other favorite part about uh, baseball randos is how much money they made. Oh, my God. $35 million for Rondell White. Like, Rondell White. Wait, in his career? Yeah. I would have expected a little more than that, but the problem was he did most of his damage on his rookie deal. And some of it, too, is the timing. Like, if you can't... So, right. so Brett Boone's another one that Brett Boone had... I think 35 or 40 home runs in a year, like midnight, whenever it was, like early 2000s. Here it is. Uh, Brett Boone led the league in RBIs in 2001, 141 ribs, 37 home runs. And the Twins came along four years later after he had kind of dropped off, had a bad start to the 05 season. He's 36 years old. And if I recall right, he got a standing ovation at a game I was at for breaking an 0 for 15 or something with the Twins (laughs) with a seeing eye bleeding single between the first baseman and the second baseman. So he comes up, and he's just an ordinary second baseman with Seattle early in his career with Cincinnati, played a year for Atlanta, and then pops up in his 30s and hits a bunch of home runs. And and now, like, guys make more money now than in that era. But Brett Boone made $50 million playing oh, wow. baseball because he became a free agent, hit a bunch of home runs for a couple of years, and then was still getting paid $9 million mostly by the Mariners, to play for the Twins in that last year. Why would anyone cheat the game? Yeah, I know. Well, d- did you see, um, we, we did this story last week when when Myron was in studio, David Paulino, the oh, yeah. pitching prospect yeah, yeah. For, the, for the Astros. And David, so David Paulino's like 25 years old, comes from the, the Dominican Republic on a team that already has a solidified rotation. He's looking to break into the big leagues and make an impact, and he got rocked a couple times, put on the disabled list. And got popped 80-game suspension for PEDs. You always think it's the Barry Bonds and the Roger Clemens. And he yeah. flat out said, you know what? My body wasn't responding to injury, and I want to be a major leaguer. Because if you could fill in the blanks, I come from a poor country. I want to make money for my family. And if I can just have one good year, I might be able to make seven figures. There was a really, The honesty was nice. Yeah, there was a really good book that I read about that. I can't remember the title, but where they profile what the actual steroid user usually looks like. And it's not always the superstar player it's more often guys in the minor leagues trying to just get into the, like fulfill their dream just get to the big leagues and, and they end up coming up short a lot of times or the steroids put them over the top so instead of throwing 88 all of a sudden you throw 91 and that's the difference for a lot of teams between whether they give you a shot or not yeah i've got another really good one really Obs- good obscure twins jason tyner oh yeah jason tyner hit pretty well 312 
over a 62 game stretch and then 286 the next year in 2007. How, okay, speedy. So how many don't don't uh, how many career plate appearances did he have? Uh 440. Career. Oh no no no, Four, uh, 440 games, 1467 plate appearances. And, and he, fewer, let me guess, fewer than 40 extra base hits. He was, um, let's see. Did he ever hit a home run? No, he had 41 doubles and 11 triples and one home run. In his career. And I, I, I remember. <laughs> I remember the home run. It's like two full seasons. It, was it over the was, fence or inside the, the twins. park? Yeah. And I remember him with the Rays coming up in 2001. And for whatever reason, some national TV game had the Rays on. And they were talking about like, oh, this kid, he's pretty exciting. Yeah. He's it, he's got this blazing fast speed. Him but, and Randy Wynn were like the future outfielder. Randy Wynn, yeah. It, maybe it was with the Mets. Maybe he came up with the Mets as a prospect, and they were talking about like, oh, this guy's going to be our leadoff hitter for a long time. Slap and giggle, baby. Uh, do you want to do some reckless Viking speculation when we come back here? Uh, yes. Okay. Matthew Collar from the Purple Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. It's Mackie and Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0.00. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. 